welcome everybody to another episode of the Cybersecurity Chronicles. Today, I have a, a very special guest, Rob Zagara. Rob is a business resiliency consultant, and he's also an instructor with the Disaster Recovery Institute. And he teaches classes on cyber crisis risk and business continuity. So Rob, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Sean. Certainly. So uh, you and I were just talking about a, an article that you were just reading. Um, and uh, why don't you give some information about that, the interconnectedness of everyone? Yeah, I was uh, reading an article from uh, Business Harvard, uh, Harvard Business uh, Review, and they're talking about how globalization continues to rise and that globalization has increased tenfold the way companies connect with each other. So our interconnectivity has risen tenfold from the early 2000s, which means that uh, basically the way we are connected, anything that happens within these connections could potentially affect one another, which causes systemic risk to rise exponentially. Right. And what is systemic risk? Uh, you want me to explain? Sure. sure. Well, systemic risk is. It's a big word. It is. It is a big <laughs> word. Uh, and, uh, and it basically means that because we are connected, risk could travel through these connections. I mean, think about it in the past. Um, what were the chances of a building in New York, one in Kansas City and one in Tokyo coming down for the same event? Right. Zero, right? Right. Now, what are the chances of three different companies coming down with the same problem uh, in different parts of the world? Because somehow they are connected or even they're not connected, but they use a same supplier or a yeah, same we saw, this, we saw this as solar winds exactly and and you know the reliance upon uh vendors who have a cloud position that you're using the same software from a cloud if that were compromised and what was the one you were just uh telling me about chronos, All the, chronos. Yeah, exactly you know and, how many companies entities you know, how many people are not getting paid because, you know, right. their organization relies on one specific supplier that and was. They, and they fail to have a contingency plan if Kronos were to fail or they were to lose connectivity to it. If we lose connectivity to it, okay, we lose it for a day. But Kronos, when this happened, Kronos said it would be months before they were able to reestablish business as usual for their their clients that that is just uh, amazing how vulnerable the uh, infrastructure is for the type of supply chain so what uh that sort of resiliency is lacking amongst organizations and so you're dealing with business leaders that come in in these seminars that you that you conduct for business leaders either uh, seminars or uh, consulting in your practice. 
where do you start? I mean, the the whole topic is so large and they don't always have a firm grasp on their supply chain where they're a third party, but now you've got fourth party and fifth party risk coming into this. Where do you, where do you typically tell business leaders, where should they start? That's a great question. And uh, I guess number one, I mean, this is not like a one-off you know, thing that happened. We're seeing it happening more and more. I mean, there's right, right now uh, several examples of supply chain attacks, cyber mm-hmm. and non-cyber related as well. You know, the pandemics caused a huge, you know, uh, uh, problem with, with organizations. Now, another thing you mentioned is critical. Uh, the visibility we have on our First tier supply chain is big, but once you start going down that chain, you know, second tier, third tier, we lose visibility. I mean, we have no idea. So that's one thing. Now, before this whole systemic risk and this whole interconnectivity, we would tell clients that, you know, you look at the criticality of a supplier and based on that, you know, work your your plan or work how you're going to work with them and and become more resilient with that partner. Now, because of the connectivity, it becomes more complex because all of a sudden you get this third party, fourth party somewhere within the globalization, within all these interconnectivities, somebody can reach your systems through that. Uh, and typically, if you were a hacker, you know, hackers don't care. They don't want to uh, go into their their prey uh, through the hardest, you know, uh, way. <laughs> they don't have to prove anything. You know, right. they, we've, we've hacked into the FBI and through them, we reached, you know, Tom's shop. They don't need that. <laughs> they, you know, they do the opposite. They want to go to, you know, the, the least the weakest link and through that work their way up to the supply chain. So that actually brings a huge challenge. Now, the thing is, uh, is we have to understand if push came to shove, worst case scenario, as a company, what are we going to do? How are we going to make sure that our clients are provided with the products, services, and information that we promise them. So we have to work backwards, realizing that, you know what, in order to cover all the bases, it's going to be literally impossible because we're getting more and more connected. Exactly. We have to assume something bad bad is going to happen. What are we going to do when it happens? Yeah, it's not a matter of if anymore. It's a matter of when. And it's how you're prepared. Exactly. And even, you know, I was in a, in a FBI webinar and they say, you know what, it's a matter of when you're going to realize you've already been compromised. <laughs> you have. Yeah, <laughs> we've talked about before how long somebody's in your network before you even realize they're there. It's months. And then you got to get them out. Yeah, it, Sometimes it, years. It months, almost a year. <laughs> or the, the experience of Cathay Pacific, it was nine years, I think it was. <laughs> Yeah, there's were their network examples that are more than a year. Yeah. So, you know, at one time, uh, Stanley uh, Lee with NetSwitch and I were talking about the NIST cybersecurity framework. 
and the framework has five areas, the five topics. The fifth topic is recovery. And we felt that having recovery as the fifth item on the list, which was also the simplest list of tasks to complete to prepare for recovery, seemed a bit backwards. That recovery, preparing to recover, knowing how you're going to recover, should be one of the first steps you do. And to prepare your organization, prepare your team for what do they do, how do you uh, not all run around with your hair on fire, because you've prepared, if something happens, we will do this. How often (laughs) are organizations ready to do that? Well, you know, that's an amazing point, and and I love it. I mean, you you hit the nail in the head. However, it's extremely difficult for organizations to do this because they're thinking, oh, my God, if everything comes down, you know what? How am I going to recover everything? And that's not the issue. The issue is you got to realize you have limited resources. You're completely outside of your comfort zone. You know, this is not business as usual. This is a major crisis. What can you do to recover The only way to think about this is, okay, I have to prioritize. And you know what? Think, if there's one thing that I would do, what would it be? What are the resources that I need? What are the people that that, that I'm getting involved? And most importantly, who am I going to take care of? Because you won't be able to take care of everybody. Uh, And that gives you tremendous momentum to get the ball rolling. The worst thing that you could do is think, oh, my God, you know, it's too much. It's too complex. I'm too uh, complicated. Too many things happening. I can't do anything. I'm just going to have to wave it out, you know, wait until stick my head in the sand and and wait until it all, you know, solves itself. That's the worst thing you could do. It does. Priorities. When events happen, they can be extremely impactful to the organization from a cost standpoint, from an operation standpoint. And I know, and I speak from experience there, um, many years ago in a previous life, when I was running a company that had a distribution facility, we were hit with a malware attack. And it brought the entire network down in order to prevent the, the malware from becoming even more. We brought the entire network down. That stopped all of customer service they couldn't take any orders, process any orders through the systems. Our entire warehouse was shut down because we couldn't get orders to the floor to be picked and packed. Uh, it shut down our, our production department, which was um, doing uh, customization to product because they couldn't get any orders to process. And, not, and having the IT team work on fixing all of this stuff, we didn't have a clear idea when it was going to be turned back on. So every day you have everybody showing up at work. That's all payroll you're paying out the door without productivity. And you're not shipping any orders, so you have no income coming in. But you had to figure out a way to deal with that those client base, that 20% that brought in 80% of the revenue. And we were taking their orders that they were faxing in to us at that point and taking those orders to the floor and getting them ready to ship out but we we had we couldn't run efficiently and yeah 
Well, go ahead, Rob. That, that, that's that's the thing. I mean, you won't be able to run efficiently. I remember doing uh, uh, once a, a project with a large beverage company that was like, Rob, you know what? W- without our um, software, we cannot do picking. So, I mean, there's, it's too complex. You know, we, we won't be able to do anything. And I remember the supply chain director came to the guy and said, look, if I put a gun in your head and, and tell you, you have to do something, what would you do? He said, oh, I'd send this product to this major client. Uh, and how would you do that? Well, I'm going to call the guy from their distribution center and I'm going to say, look, I can't send you everything, but I'll send you one product, 20 trucks. Is that acceptable? The other guy went, that's beautiful. That's what... You know, it's really about just get that ball rolling. Now, then he took a step back and said, wow, if we would prepare, we could actually do that for a handful of clients and we can get the ball rolling and we could get, you know, maybe close to a 50% revenue, 60% revenue without doing everything, just focusing on a few things. That's the key to, you know, being a resilient organization. Don't think of the entire apple. You won't be able to swallow it. You got to take a small bite. So, connect in uh, if you could. Uh, a topic we've been talking about is cyber ins- cyber insurance. Companies being prepared on the cyber side, doing the right things and proper cyber hygiene to try to, uh, well, for some companies, it's to try to even get cyber coverage. Uh, and yep. two is how do companies illustrate the efficacy of their efforts to try to bring those premiums down on their cyber insurance for business continuity insurance, business interruption insurance does having a proper business continuity plan and done tabletops like this. So the organization is prepared at at the executive level to respond. Does that help at all in having the conversation with the insurance companies for business interruption? Absolutely. I mean, think about this. Insurance companies, they want to make money, right? And they're small people. <laughs> right. You know, it doesn't help them to not sell insurance. I mean, they want to sell insurance, but they want to sell insurance to people who have the right risks. I mean, because, you know, they can't bet on a losing horse. Right. What, and, and what happened over the last two years we saw that, you know, cyber insurance wasn't common at all. I mean, if you look five years ago, it was a very small market. They said, oh, the market's going to grow. All of a sudden, it stopped growing after pandemics because the attacks went through the roof. And, and guess what? Companies weren't prepared, so they started to have a lot of claims. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. insurance companies said, wait a minute, we're losing money here. So they need to sell insurance to companies that are prepared, that have controls. Does that uh, help their premiums come down if, they're, if they have that sort of plan in place? It, it's a matter of negotiation, right? And, and absolutely, yes. Uh, obviously, you know, what, what's happening right now is company, I want to buy insurance. They, they look at your controls. They say, no way. I mean, you, you, we can't sell you insurance because you have no controls. Now, think of this. If you had ma- massive controls, if, you, if you're an excellent risk, it's like your car insurance, right? I mean, if, if you have all the, 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 the bells and whistles and all the protections and all the alarms, and 
you pay less insurance. I mean, that's a matter of, of, of fact. That, that's, right. that's how insurance has occurred through the last 300 years. So, yeah. Uh, now, the, the thing is, in order to do that, you have to understand your risks and be able to present them in a way where, you know, the insurance company is going to say, wow, I really want this. And have the insurances fighting over your policy instead of you going in on your knees, begging them. To, you know, <laughs> that's, that, those are the Please cover us. Yeah, those are the two ends of the spectrum. In which end would you like to be? Yeah, exactly. So if I'm a small or mid-sized business executive or an owner, where do I start? I don't have the budget to go hire a big consultant. Um, are there are there resources online that I can go and at least try to understand what I should be doing, how I should prepare myself and my company? There's tons of resources. I mean, you know, there's there, uh, uh, we have uh, at the DRI where I teach uh, the Disaster Recovery Institute. They have you know a lot of information. Uh, if you go in, you know, there's a, a lot of the Sands Institute, there's CESA, there, there, there's just tremendous amount of information on the web. A lot of these organizations are trying to help, trying to provide information, valuable information, because ultimately, once you start to, you know, build upon this, you become more reliable to your client you become a stronger organization. And one of the things that I discovered a few years back, Sean, was that, you know, resilience is about innovation. Because when something breaks, you're never going to build it the way it was originally. You're going to make it better. You're going to make it stronger. So, right. you know, you're going to make it more efficient. That's just the way life is. Right. So, you know, people realize that, oh, my God, by being more resilient, I could actually be stronger. I could, you know, uh, help my clients better. So it's, it's you know, I, I would start on understanding the risk and understanding the impacts. What can go wrong and how is that going to impact me and how am I going to solve that problem? That's, you know, the number one. And think about priorities. What is the most, what's your most important client? What's the most important product or service or data that you sell to that client? Work from there backwards. Because, because that, at that point, it's, it's just about prioritizing survival. Exactly. That's, that's, that's what you want to do. You want to prioritize your survival. And don't fall in the trap of thinking, oh, my God, everybody's on the same boat because we're not. It seems like we're all on the same boat, but people that are smarter, people that are more resilient are thinking, and they're going to come out of that boat quicker. And right. that is going to, you know, they're going to make that leap jump, and that's going to give you a lot of advantage. So you want to beat the competition. You want to be ready. Okay. Does it take a lot of effort and a lot of time, or is this something that – if I put some focus into it, it'd take me a few weeks to at that's, least lay the groundwork. That's an amazing. And I know it probably has the complexity, the type of complexity your business has, but I'm trying to understand for a business owner, how much of a commitment do I need to take from my 
regular job, so to speak? That's an amazing question. And, and believe it or not, I've came to the conclusion based on a lot of reading and a lot of research, you know, risk is part of our emotional intelligence and it's part of our, um, you know, of our limbic system. What that means is that think about, I'll give you an easy example. Think about the, the, um, the seatbelt. Uh, remember 30 years ago when they said, you know, you got to wear a seatbelt. That's, it's about security. It's about safety. People were, oh, my God, you know, it's a waste of time. It's uncomfortable. It's this and that. Today, if you sit in a car and you don't put the seatbelt, do you feel safe? I mean, do you feel something's missing? It's yeah, like, I'd say most so people you, it does. The thing is, you start to, when you are aware of risk, you start to take care of that subconsciously, unconsciously. You, it's like the, the multiple factor authentication. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, first, oh, my God, this is too, oh, I don't like it. Now, people are craving for it. You know, yep. if you go to a bank and they say, oh, we don't have multiple factor authentication, you go, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> and you know what? So it kind of becomes part of your life. It becomes part of your habit. You become more aware. That's the beauty of it. When you have a risk culture, it's like you're you're thinking about everything that's important, but you're not forgetting about risk. So it's a change on your mind state, of your mindset, and think, thinking, you know what? This is part of life, and the better prepared I am, the stronger I will be. And the more sleep you should be able to get at night too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the long term benefit of that one. Yeah, no, it's it. it yeah, I, I'll actually talk about that uh, during my next uh, my next uh, conference uh, because it is true. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, Rob, I appreciate your time today. It's been good to talk to you about this. It's a very important topic, and really, it's not a huge hurdle to overcome for small and mid sized businesses. If you need information, you have any questions, I'm sure you can reach out to Rob on LinkedIn. Uh, his information will be posted in the podcast notes. Thank you, everybody, for listening today, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Rob. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. <laughs>